Before we begin our Torah study this evening, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam asher kitshenu b'mitzvotav etzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to talk to you about unchaining our futures before it's too late. This was an issue that Moses had to face. His future needed to be freed up. Otherwise, he would be stuck in a frustrating life that would not fulfill what God had planned for him. Now, I'm not talking about the life that Moses dreamed of for himself. I'm not talking about Moses' dreams at all. I'm talking about what God saw for Moses and what God had in mind and what he saw for the children of Israel. At this point in our Torah reading, Moses is the most popular guy in Israel. Among the Israelis, the children of Israel, at least, he's the one that people wanted to talk to when they had big problems or conflicts. So many people wanted Moses to be the judge who ruled on their behalf. Here's how Exodus 18 describes it, starting in verse 13. The following day, Moses sat to settle disputes for the people while the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Yitro or Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, saw all that he was doing to the people, he said to Moses, what is this that you're doing to the people? Why do you sit there alone with all the people standing around you from morning until evening? So Moses answered his father-in-law, it's because the people come to me seeking God's guidance. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me. I judge between one person and another, and I explain to them God's laws and teachings. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. You will certainly wear yourself out, and not only yourself, but these people here with you as well. It is too much for you. You can't do it alone by yourself. So listen now to what I have to say. I will give you some advice, and God will be with you. You should represent the people before God, and you should bring their cases to God. Now, that's a reorientation that Jethro is, is giving to Moses. He's saying to Moses, you stand before God rather than have the people stand before you. It's an interesting reorientation. And then verse 20 goes on, you, Moses, should also teach them the laws and the teachings and show them how to live their lives and what work they should do. But you should choose from among all the people, competent men who are God-fearing, honest, and incorruptible to be their leaders. Let me pause for a minute and focus on this idea of this quality of being incorruptible. Another way of, of expressing that, and it's uh, very faithful to the Hebrew, is uh, people who hate dishonest gain or who hate covetousness. Because it means the same thing. Covetousness is a kind of dishonest gain. And then let me just read to you some additional passages that will come up in Exodus and Deuteronomy that speak about uh, this, this 
process by which people can become corrupted. Exodus 23 verse 8 says, do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see and twists the words of the righteous. And a bribe is a kind of dishonest gain. And so it's also is connected to people who want to use money in order to uh, win favor on their behalf. Deuteronomy 10 verse 17 also speaks of it. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God, showing no partiality and accepting no bribe. And then Deuteronomy 16, verse 19, speaks uh, about this principle. Do not deny justice or show partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Now, the word that's translated bribe from the Hebrew, um, that Hebrew word not only means bribe, but it means a large gift. Large gifts can sway people's opinions. And so Moses is being instructed now at this moment by uh, Yithro, by Jethro. But later on, there'll be even more instruction that will be for Moses, but also for those uh, throughout the community to be alert to bribes and large gifts and the way that people can use money in order to uh, corrupt and in order to um, win favor to their position. So Jethro says, you should choose from among all the people, competent men who are God-fearing, honest, and incorruptible, or who hate dishonest gain, and put them in charge of thousands of hundreds of fifties and tens. And then verse 22, normally they will settle the people's disputes, and they should bring you, Moses, the difficult cases, but ordinary matters they should decide themselves. In this way, they'll make it easier for you and share the load with you. Verse 23, if you do this, and God is directing you to do it, you will be able to endure, and all of these people too will arrive at their destination peacefully or with shalom. Verse 24, Moses paid attention to his father-in-law's counsel and did everything he said. Moses chose competent men from all Israel and made them heads over the people in charge of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. As a general rule, they settled the people's disputes, the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but every simple matter they decided themselves." So this was a very important moment. Moses was trapped by the problem and by his own solution. He was trapped by the problem situation, and he was trapped by the solution he had implemented. In at least some way, Moses thought it was obvious that what he came up with as a solution had to be done, that he had to be doing what he was doing. He thought it was self-evident, but he did take just a moment to explain to his father-in-law why this was happening. 
Now, I really appreciate the way that the Torah tells us about the inner workings of life, the challenges, the struggles, the difficulties, the good, the bad, the ugly even. And you know what? It's our responsibility to read this, to study it, and to try to learn something to apply to ourselves that will be useful for ourselves. When we are stuck, in an unworkable or unsustainable way of life, we need to unchain our future. I say it that way because it's as if our future is held in bondage, in prison, in the chains of slavery, and that leaves us stuck. We're trapped. We don't even see our current reality clearly. And it's a dangerous situation because that's when many people give up. They burn out. They lose hope, they lose faith, they give in to fear, and that fear can seem like wisdom to them. It's also when people come up with solutions that are not sustainable. That's what happened with Moses. He recognized the problem, he thought about it, he came up with a solution, but it wasn't sustainable. But uh, when we're doing that, we may think, I just have to do it this way. I just have to keep going, and I have to accept it. Personally, I think this is a kind of fatalism that can steal our power and our initiative. Now, another variant goes something like this. There's nothing I can do. I give up. I think that's the defeated mentality of people who think of themselves as powerless victims. Their autonomy, the power that they have to govern themselves, is diminished. It's weakened. It's really not at all the same as submitting to God and subordinating our will and desires to do his will. It's not the same as Yeshua taught us to pray, not my will be done, but your will be done. I say it's not the same because an authentic submissive position, I believe, depends on and even requires personal autonomy. The powerless victim has no real autonomy or they exercise no autonomy. They have little or no power. And so they cannot genuinely submit. They're just overpowered or they act that way. However, Moses is not a helpless victim. He's just a man who's struggling with a problem and he doesn't exactly know how to solve it. So Moses responds to his father-in-law with attentiveness. He's willing to receive help from his father-in-law. As well, Moses is ready to receive help from all those who he will have to appoint and train and supervise and lead. And that's one of the fascinating aspects here. Moses is one of those great leaders who can lead and at the same time receive help from others. Moses is telling us about his experience with all these issues. That's what the Torah narrative conveys. At that point in time, Moses was not fully operating in God's plans for Israel or God's plan for Moses. That wasn't really sinful. It was just short-sighted. The result, though, was that Moses was stuck in his current situation. We could say he was stuck between the problem and his own attempt to solve the problem, and that can happen to any of us. 
what are you doing? That was Jethro's, Jethro's question to Moses. And Moses says, I have to do it this way. Here's why. He gave his answer and Jethro takes a risk. He gives unsolicited advice that he believes Moses needs to hear and is ready to hear. And Jethro starts with a very straightforward evaluation. What you're doing is not good. And there's a phrase in the Hebrew that, that captures that, lo tov, lo meaning not, and tov, good. Lo tov is what Jethro says to Moses. Lo tov, not good from a spiritual perspective, Lo tov, not good from a practical perspective either. Lo tov, not good. It isn't working. It won't work in the future. It will only get worse. Lo tov, spiritually and practically. Moses listens carefully. Something in Moses recognized that Jethro had wisdom from the Lord. And something in Moses recognized that he should heed Jethro's wisdom and things would change for the better. Jethro gave simple, practical, and spiritual steps in a new direction. It was a completely different strategy. It would take a lot of work, of course, and much time to implement. But the strategy, the thinking was pretty clear. And Jethro, Yitro was saying to Moses, at this point, the people are overwhelming you with their conflicts and their disputes, and you're taking on the weight of their problems incorrectly. And you need to bring those problems to the Lord. Represent the people to God. Bring their cases to the Lord. Stand before God as well. Jethro said that Moses needed to teach the leaders or the judges or those who were both, and the people as well, about the commands of God and how to live faithfully with God and with one another. He needed to teach the leaders and judges about the work they each needed to do and how to do it. Each person had their work to do as well. Each person needed to learn about God and how to live together as people. Faith and faithfulness needed to develop more fully at the individual level, but as well at the community level, and you could say the national level. Miracles were not enough all by themselves to bring about these types of changes. This was going to take time to develop. And remember this, Moses was leading the largest local congregation in history. Moses' role was to lead the people into a sustainable future as a community to become a nation under God. Amazingly, Moses had more impact and influence when he broke free from the way he had been working and when he took to heart what his father-in-law was saying. And to this day, Moses the person, and his teachings, Moses is still having an impact on us and untold millions in the world. And for sure, we can say that he is having an impact on us. Moses' open heart and his willingness to change meant that he connected differently with the Lord 
and with God's people, how he saw his own future was transformed. His future was no longer chained up and held in prison or slavery, if you will. Moses and his future were going to experience a taste of freedom. Moses was blessed uh, because of Jethro, and that blessing touched all of Israel. We can recognize that everyone can benefit when we have people in our lives who can help us see solutions when we're stuck. Sometimes those people will know we're stuck when we don't know. We may think we're just working the plan and working our solution and doing what we need to do. Thank the Lord for the Jethro's out there. Now let's connect this experience that Israel had in the wilderness journey with the experience of the first generation of Messianic believers, because I think they face something similar that's described in Acts chapter 6. There were disputes that arose among the Messianic believers in the community in Jerusalem. There were big problems between the Hebrew speakers and the Greek speakers. The community was divided, and the needs of the hungry and the poor were not being met effectively. And to their credit, the apostles did not get trapped. They had a sense of the future that God had for them and for the community, and they found people of wisdom in the Holy Spirit who the community trusted, sort of like what Jethro was proposing to Moses. They brought them together so that they could seek the Lord and find solutions that were good spiritually and practically. And that group was effective. Here's how Acts chapter 6 describes it. Acts 6, starting in verse 1. In those days when the disciples were increasing in number. Okay, so they're growing, but they're also having problems. In those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Greek-speaking Jews began to grumble against the Hebrew-speaking Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Verse 2, so the twelve, the apostles, summoned all the disciples and said, it is unacceptable for us to neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, brothers, select from among you seven men confirmed to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will appoint this responsibility to them and devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, as well as Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, who was a convert to Judaism. That's an interesting detail. Verse 6, they presented these seven to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem grew rapidly, and a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's the passage. It describes this conflict in the community, but the way that they found solutions to the challenges that were facing them and the word of God were were useful to all of us because they were able to continue to spread the word of God. The number of disciples in Jerusalem had been growing, and it 
continued to grow. But with the problems, with the growth came problems. And a great number, however, after they found the solution for this or the group that would find the solution, a great number of Kohanim, of priests and Levites, became Talmudim, disciples of Yeshua. So the apostles grasped their mission and their calling, and they found ways to solve problems and face their challenges. It's a great lesson for us in the Messianic movement in, in our personal lives. Folks, we don't want to be stuck in unsustainable life, especially if we're the ones who create the unsustainability. We have power from God, and we can gain wisdom from God. With the right attitude, with the right perspective, we can find solutions. Moses and his generation, the apostles and their generation, with God's help, were able to unchain their futures before it was too late. And they move forward with unstoppable tenacity. Even though they had problems, they move forward with strength, with resolve, and with integrity. Let's take this to heart and move forward together. Kadima, forward. Lord, we thank you for those who have gone before us, whose lives are a lesson for us. Thank you for the candor that you express to us through Torah and the writings of the prophets and the Brit HaKadoshah. We are so grateful, Lord. Let us take to heart the lessons they learned so that we can apply them for ourselves. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you can join us in person for our Torah service on Saturday in the Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue Sanctuary here in Jacksonville, Florida. We will be live streaming the Saturday Shabbat service too. In a moment, we'll close with Aaron's blessing and then a final worship song. But first, would you consider a generous contribution? Would you stand with us uh, with a donation? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. And now Aaron's blessing. Shalom. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you, guard you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua the Prince of Peace. Amen.